Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Focus TV. Uh, we're so happy to be back in studio, uh, which means it's Tuesday, so that's always a good thing. Got Octavia White here, Cardell Dudley, and Wilson Tarpe Jr. And we got a lot to talk about this evening. You guys saw about the clip that opened tonight's show. Cardell told you last week he had a pretty good event to go to, a pretty good display of high school basketball, good talent, good games. So, Cardell, uh, what happened this weekend? <laughs> we gonna start with a sign. <laughs> I'm just trying to be nice, man. Let's just say the okay. uh, the WCAC. Why they the WCAC? Okay. Um, they basically swept the BCL. Charm mm-hmm. uh, City Charm uh, City Challenge is what they call. It's actually a historical event. Went okay. away for a few years. Came back last year. Um, back in the day, it was one of the main high school tournaments in the country. You know, alumni Tracy McGrady, Rasheed Wallace, guys like that, Felipe Lopez. Went to St. John's, all that. So, you know, it was a, it was a great time. Um, I had a great time, a lot of great competition. But, you know, the WCFC proved why they're considered the best high school conference in, in the country. Uh, the first game, Loyola Blakefield uh, and Bishop Ryerson were tied 59 with about 14 seconds left. Uh, Bishop Ryerson and guard Jack Cooper found Ethan Lynch in the corner. He was looking for the three. They closed out well, took away the three. He drove. Uh, Went over, went through, basically at the same time, three defenders, hit the game with the shots, and Bishop Ryder won 61-59. Um, moving forward, definitely keep an eye on Loyola Blakefield, junior 6-7 guard and for Mitch Fisher. Uh, just spoke about Ethan Lynch from Bishop Ireton and senior point guard Jay Cooper. You know, those are guys you'll be seeing at the college level for sure. Uh, the second game, St. John's, you know, pretty much just from start to finish, uh, jumped on St. Vincent Pilate. And won the game 52-35, uh, senior guard. And Virginia commit Casey Morzell. You know, he didn't really perform up to his standard. He didn't shoot well. He played great defense in every other aspect, but he didn't shoot well. But Junior's Darius Maddox and Ishmael Leggett stepped up. Um, they combined for 32, St. John's 52 points. And, you know, they cruised. Uh, the thing that, caught, that jumped out to me was St. John's defense, their team defense. They, they swarmed all game. Um, they held Pilate below 10 points to three of the four quarters. You know, that's, that, it was devastating. And you, that's why, similar to what we talk about the Wizards, yeah. if you don't have it going offensively, defense will keep you in the game and have you in position so you may finally warm up and win the game and score enough points. Um, senior guard Anthony Blunt was the only Panthers player from St. Vincent Velotti in degenerating the offense. He had a game, game high 12 points. Um, definitely keeping an eye on Darius Maddox, 6'5 uh, wing, athletic, uh, very confident, can do a little bit of everything. Uh, I was impressed with his game. And Ishmael Leggett, I spoke on him last year. Um, he's, he's pretty much been, you know, the, I guess you could say Pippen, uh, Casey Morzell, you know, but he, he's improved his jumper. He was relentless from three-point range and whatnot. And um, as these guys grow, I could just see them growing and being, a, if you be a three-headed monster where everybody focuses on Morzell, they'll take you out. And if you start focusing on them, Morzell will do what he do. So, you know, just – Keep an eye on them as the season progresses. Honestly, the, the, the matchup that generated the most hype was Baltimore Power St. Francis taking on Paul the Six. Uh, Paul the Six, you know, pretty much jumped on them from start to finish as well. Uh, you know, it was kind of lukewarm within a sense. Uh, senior guard and Virginia Tech commit Anthony Harris went down early. Uh, ACL tear, he's out for the season. They already lost Jeremy Roach to an ACL tear. He's out for the season. But that's why the WCC is what it is. All those teams have depth, you know, and the thing that won the game, they had a freshman point guard 
definitely keeping on him. Nazir Doug McDaniel, 15 points, <laughs> came off the bench when when uh, Harris went down. I was just like, who on who on step up and run the show? And I, you know, Baltimore got his ball and toes, and then they got a freshman to speak on a little bit, Carlos Alexander. Mm-hmm. That's nasty in his own right, but. Doug McDaniel played well beyond the years. He handled the pressure in the game like he was a senior. You know, scoring 15 points, sophomore, Trevor Kills. It was my first time catching up with him. Um, I've been hearing a lot about him. I love his game. 13 points. He was big in the first half to give him a big, comfortable lead. But um, ideally, they they just executed on both ends too well for um, St. Francis. And once they got a big lead, it seemed like St. Francis was pressing. Because, you know, they, they you could tell they really wanted to win that game. But they was pressing too hard, not letting the game come to them while Paul the Six stayed within themselves, right. executed, and ran the show. Um, you know, Ace Baldwin was held to six points. He struggled shooting from the field, but freshman backup point guard Carlos Alexander, who we had on the show, came in ready to go, man. He, he finished with a game high 16 points uh, for St. Francis. Um, explosive, quick, just one dribble, two dribble, he gone past anybody. Uh, when his Jumper becomes automatic. He's unstoppable. There's nothing you can be able to do. He's too quick, too explosive, and he's tough. He's fearless. Like he don't give a damn. He's going in there to challenge whoever. <laughs> uh, I love that kid. He, he's a dog. Um, Junior Jamal West and Jordan Toes both added 14 points apiece to pay St. Francis. Uh, the next one, next to last game, Gonzaga versus Mount St. Joseph. Another Baltimore power. I mean, Gonzaga lost Friday night to Bishop McNamara at the buzzer. They came. They was pissed. <laughs> They blew out Mount St. Joseph about 40, 76 to 36. It, it was, it was a thorough beat down. It ain't even much to say, man. <laughs> Terrence Williams had 16 points, and uh, Miles Sue added 10 points. Uh, they held uh, Mount St. Joe's senior guard LSU commit, who's one of the top scorers in all the high school basketball in the, in the country. Held him, James Bishop held him to seven points. Uh, they were all over him from start to finish, and um, you know. Steve Turner walk past. They was at talking to him. They're like, man, it's like that. He's like, man, we took one last night. Somebody had to pay today. It's just as simple as that. So, respect. And then the headliner, you know, Dematha versus Saint Maria Goretti, who has a stacked team, talented team. Um, Dematha just kept going, carrying on the momentum from last season, winning the WCFC championship. They um, won 77-56. Uh, they were led by seven for one junior center, Hunter Dickinson, who uh, had 21 points, did it inside out. The thing a lot of people always harp on is he's not explosive like some other bigs in this class, but he he plays smarter and he's more skilled. And to go along with that size, it's a hard combination to deal with, especially at the high school level. Man, he dropping passes, back doors, hitting three pointers. He had three three pointers. Contested wide open, seven screens, rebounded, tip ins. I saw the chase down block. He, the chase down block, the hustle plays, man. He, you know he he did it all. It's the reason why he's the best son in the area. And one of the best centers, and what sure, the matter of fact, one of the best players in the country, especially in this class. Um, you know, the girls just simply had no answer for him. Uh, Villanova commit, Dematha, senior guard Justin Moore, added 19 points for the stakes, while, you know, senior guard RJ Blakeney, highly athletic kid, kind of in the Richard Jefferson mode, led St. Maria Goretti with 12 points. All right, man. That's okay. sweet. Yeah, shout out to the sweet. <laughs> yeah. He's your broom. It's not a, it's not a hearing. Yeah, I'm serious. Well, I guess we only put that out for special episodes, <laughs> special guests. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so we're gonna move on to the. Uh, we got Octavia coming up after the break with MCE segment. You already know, she's on cloud nine momentarily. So uh, yeah, I'm not gonna give you a chance to talk. I'm sorry, you mic off real quick. 
So we're going to take a quick break. It's the Focus TV. And when we get back, Octavia will be talking about her beloved Eagles and, oh, yeah, the rest of the NFC East. Welcome back to the Focus TV. Octavia, the floor is yours. I'm cutting my own mic you. off now. Go ahead and say what you got to say. For now. You know, you know it's going to come back on. <laughs> Look, it's off. Okay, so, of course, the NFC East is crazy, like it is every year, and it is not disappointing this year as well. So we're going to start the Thursday night game where everybody was probably watching. You had the Cowboys versus the Saints. Uh, Cowboys defeated the Saints 13-10. The Cowboys are now 7-5, and and they're 4-1 in the division. Dak Prescott was 24 of 28, 248 yards, one touchdown, five carries for 22 yards. Ezekiel Elliott, 23 carries, 76 yards, six receptions for 60 yards. Gallup had five receptions and 76 yards, and Amari Cooper also put in eight receptions for 75 yards. Um, In the league today where offense has been, you know, soaring so much this past season, it was nice to see a defensive game. Um, a lot of people were talking about this game um, with the Cowboys starting to warm up and the Saints who've been hot all year. I know this all too well. And, um, you know, the Saints, they just couldn't get it going from the very, very beginning of the game. Um, the Saints were all held to 10 points in a game when they've been scoring over 30 from pretty much every game they played this yeah. year. And... Um, the Cowboys actually held them to, like I said, just 10 points, and they held them scoreless for three quarters. They, only, they scored all 10 of their points in the third quarter. Um, their defense was just everywhere. Um, they had two sacks on Breeze. Breeze threw his third interception of the season, and he's only thrown three interceptions all season. And, you know, the, the, um, the, the Cowboys were one of those teams to, to get that off of him. It was just top to bottom, like a really, really, really good game for the Cowboys. They just kept saying this was the best, you know, they could have hoped for for this game with all the hype and everybody talking just about the Saints. A lot of people weren't, you know, expecting for the Cowboys to win, myself included. I'm not even going to lie. Everybody, I just thought the Saints were just too hot. And, you know, they talked about Garrett had like a – like a really, really good, you know, speech that he did the night before and everybody was hype and everybody wanted to play and, and everything. I Michael and I, I call foul there. That's what they I said. I'm just, hey. I don't believe that, but continue. These are just, just the things I hear. I'm not going to <laughs> I call narrative. But, uh, you know, uh, Dak Prescott had one of his best games of the season with one small blemish on it. You know, I just feel like Dak fumbles too much. He fumbles the ball a lot, and he got another another fumble in this game. But besides that, he held a you know a really good game. Like I said, twenty four forty eight. He only missed four pass you know four uh, targets, and um, you know he's still running. You know he got a crucial first down when the play just broke down, and he like drugged people with him. So to see that you know in your quarterback, it's got to hype up the entire team, especially in a big game like that. So, you know, they had a really good game, although there were some questionable non-calls in the game. There was a helmet-to-helmet that wasn't called on Alvin Kamara. Um, and then there was also a controversial first down that they gave to Cole Beasley on a third down where he was clearly short of the first down, but with the Saints using both of their challenges in the first half on a non-catch by Thomas, and then there was a fumble that they ended up saying that was incomplete, but the Saints challenged it. They actually called it a catch and a fumble 
where they recovered it so they still got the yardage. So that's why they did both of those challenges in the first half, which means they didn't have any challenges in the second half. And there were a couple questionable calls that they probably would have challenged if they had those, but they didn't. So um, one thing I always say about the Cowboys every year, as hot as they are at the moment with, I believe, four straight wins, is December. Uh-oh. Every year. I don't know what it is. Every year it's, it's something <laughs> with the Cowboys in December. December just kind of – it kind of throws them off, but right now they're riding a high streak, and you know they're looking to try to win in the NFC East. Get maybe Sean, uh, get maybe Jason Garrett his second playoff win since he's been there. Oh man! You know, so um, although like I said, December is usually tough for them. They don't really have a whole lot of really really tough matchups in December, so they should be able to you know keep it together as long as nothing crazy happens for them. But um, we shall see. The next game will be against the Eagles next week. Um, then we're going to go on to the Giants, who played the Bears. The Giants won 30-27 to in overtime. They're now 4-8. They're still 0-4 in the division. Eli Manning was 19-35, of one touchdown, one interception. Saquon Barkley, 24 carries, 125 yards, three receptions, 21 yards. Odell Beckham, three receptions, 35 yards for one touchdown, and he was one of one <laughs> on past attempts for a 49-yard touchdown. Um, and that 49-yard touch, uh, touchdown went to Russell Shepard. Um, there were a lot of other good players that played that, that had really good games, Sterling Shepard, Russell Shepard, um, as well as Red Ellison, who is still filling in for the injured Evan Ingram. So the Giants get back in the win column. You know, a lot of people weren't expecting it, especially against the uh, division-leading Bears at the moment, although the Bears were still without Mitchell Trubisky, who was still injured, so they had Chase Daniels in there. Um, and, you know, it was a good game. You know, to me, the Giants almost gave it away. Uh, I will be remiss if I don't shout out Tariq Cohen. He is an alma mater. I mean, he went to my alma mater, A&T. Um, so, you know, he was doing really well. Um, but the one thing that kind of, like, stuck out to me is how well their defense was playing. With everything that the Giants kept doing and, and um, excuse me, the Bears kept doing, you know, the Giants were still there. Alec Ogletree had two interceptions, one for a pick six. You know, so I always say this, the Giants are never mathematically out of it, although they're, you know, you you pretty much think they're out of it. But at this point, it looks like maybe they're going to be playing that spoiler role for a lot of teams down the uh, the line. Um, They also, you know, next week we'll have an interdivision rivals play against each other again, so they'll be playing the Redskins next week. And at this moment, it's looking as a, a winnable game for them just with everything that's transpired within the last day or so. Um, so I'm sure that they're, you know, ready to get back to get back ready and, and, and fight again and, and play again and, and try to get a win and try to spoil, you know, their their run. You know, the Redskins have been atop a of the NFC East for a majority of the season, although um, getting into the next next thing. So the Eagles did play the Redskins last night on Monday Night Football. Um, the Eagles defeated the Redskins 28-13. The Eagles are now six and six, three and one in the division, and the Redskins are also six and six, but they're two and four in the division, which gives the Eagles the tiebreaker. So, the um, NFC East standings as of now are, are the Cowboys, Eagles, Redskins, Giants. Carson Wentz was twenty-seven to thirty-nine, three hundred and six yards, two touchdowns, one interception, one fumble. Uh, Josh Adams twenty carries, eighty-five yards. The return of Darren Sproles, who's been out since week one, uh, with four carries, twenty-two yards, one touchdown. Golden Tate, seven receptions, 85 yards, and his first touchdown as an eagle. He also had a fumble. 
Uh, Zach Ertz, nine receptions, 83 yards. Jordan Matthews, one reception, four yards for one touchdown. And on the other side of the ball, you had Colt McCoy, who was four for four for 50 yards. In comes Mark Sanchez, 13 of 21, 100 yards, one interception, one curry for eight yards. Adrian Peterson, nine carries, 98 yards, one touchdown. And uh, Doxon, three receptions, 51 yards. So, of course, the big story out of Washington as of now, Colt McCoy is also out for the remaining of the season. What trips me out is that he also broke his leg. I just I don't I don't know how you can even like dream that up or how somebody can prepare for something like that. That your starting quarterback goes down with a broken leg, your backup quarterback goes down with a broken leg, and now you're sitting here with one quarterback on the roster, and that one quarterback is your man Mark Sanchez. Uh-huh. One thing I heard them say last night that kind of like it, it didn't dawn on t- dawn on me until they said it that Mark Sanchez is one of two players to have ever played quarterback for three out of the four NFC East teams. He's played quarterback for the, for the uh, Redskins now. Mm-hmm. He's played quarterback for the uh, Cowboys. And he played quarterback for the Eagles. He finds a job some type of way. He's, he's there. Um, and now at this point, the Redskins, and I just, we were talking earlier about how you know, being in this area, we hear all the Redskins talks on the radio in the morning. I'm an avid listener to the radio in the it's morning depressing. as I'm going to to work every morning. And I just thought it was hilarious how they kept saying they got to find a backup to the backup's backup. They got to find a backup quarterback for the backup who was the backup of the backup. Like, you can't dream stuff up like that. And I would be remiss also to say that although, yes, they lost Colt McCoy for the remaining of the season, he was not the only person that they lost for the remaining of the season as well. Um... I cannot think of his name right now, and it's driving me crazy. What position? I have it in here, but it's still on my mind. It's all good. It'll be okay. So, Lyman, he's out for the rest of, remaining of the season as well. He has a torn bicep. And um, Cooper, Jonathan Cooper. I don't know why I could not think of him. He got hurt last year because he started the year on the Niners after re- trying to recover. He's out as well for the remaining of the season. Yep, torn oh. bicep. He's out for the remaining of the season as well. There were a host of other players that looked like they were on crutches after the game. It's just a lot going on for the Redskins at this moment. Um, <laughs> there are talks of bring. You know, there's talks of them bringing in EJ Manuel again, um, TJ Yates again, amongst others. Uh, also on the radio this morning, Fred Smoot <laughs> threw another name out there that I'm just interested to see you guys' faces when I say it. He said, what if good old RG3 come on back down the highway from Baltimore? Okay. Real quick, no knock on Fred Smoot. Um, I believe the trade deadline is passed. <laughs> um, Robert has a job. Uh, Robert's also <laughs> one of the two healthy quarterbacks on Baltimore's roster. <laughs> so, Fred... These, these are Fred Smoot's birds, not mine's guys. Right, so, um, <laughs> but uh, long story short, you know, um, it was good for to see the Eagles, you know, who have not scored a touchdown in the opening quarter for majority of the season, um, to go down, score the opening uh, touchdown on the series of the of the opening of the game. Although there was, you know, there were great points. Golden Tate got his first touchdown as a quarter as a uh, wide receiver for the Eagles. Worst celebration this year continued. Oh yeah, he did the worm. I had to look at that twice. I was like, did you just do the worm? Okay. That happened. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. 
Um, as we said, Colt McCoy broke his leg, and they had to bring in Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez's very first play was a handoff to Adrian Peterson for 90 yards. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as it was happening, I was like, y'all might as well just stop running because y'all are not going to catch him. I was like, uh, I believe it was Le, uh, LeBlanc. He tried his hardest to catch him, but I was like, just. And that's what made it funnier the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it did. I was just like, uh, you know. AP was running out of gas and LeBlanc was trying. He was trying. And the ground never, like, just. He I, tried. He tried his best. Um, although, and they did say that was uh, a career best for Adrian Peterson. Um, and also, he was the oldest player to ever rush for 90 yards. <laughs> but the Achilles heel of it was that was Basically, all you saw from Adrian Peterson for the remaining of the game, like I said, he had nine carries for 98 yards. He did one carry for 90. So, on the other eight carries, he had eight yards. Um, So, uh, with him, you know, having his own history, Zach Ertz also uh, gained a little bit of history for himself, becoming uh, the all-time reception leader for the Eagles. And he takes the spot of the person who made me an Eagles fan for Washington's own, Brian Westbrook. Um, and he, you know, took over that. And he's also very, very close to breaking Jason Witten's record as well. There, so he's now fourth, and Jason Witten is at the top with 110, and Zach is now at 92. So there's a pretty good chance he'll break it this year. And you know, it was just a game that the the Eagles had to win. They had to win this game if they wanted to have any of their playoff hopes stay alive. It puts them, you know, in second place with the tiebreaker with them. And then, like I said, next week, having a do-or-die matchup with the Cowboys that they, you know, it's going to basically tell the season for all the teams. So we will see what happens. You know, um, although I, I would be willing to say as well, you know, the Redskins defense did hold up for as long as they could. You know, uh, they did get some sacks in there. Oh, I, I take it back. No, they didn't. Um, I didn't mean to do that shady either. Um, but Josh Norman had a pivotal interception in the red zone, you know, that kind of took the air out of the stadium. Everybody was just like, I mean, literally in the end zone. But the Eagles did turn it around in the fourth quarter as well. I got an interception on Mark Sanchez. Um, Nate Gary was the one who got the interception that kind of sealed it away. Um, so it was a great game for them. It was definitely a game to kind of get their momentum back up, especially after winning last week and playing three straight, you know, divisional games with the Giants, and then they played the Redskins this week and then facing the Cowboys next week. All right. Well, Octavia, thank you for the insight on the NFC East. Y'all's division is funny. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. As always, Jamal Hayward, 9450, breakdown. We look forward to this each and every week. Um, this week's move, sidestep to an escape dribble. Again, it's a sidestep to an escape dribble. It's a Jamal Hayward, 9450, breakdown. And then we'll see you guys on the other side of the break. Welcome back. Again, one of our new segments. Well, I mean, we did this last year, but, you know, it's only the second installment of this because last week was the first installment of the 2018-2019 season. So, with you know, no, uh, we don't have a drum roll, but, you know, imagine in your head we got a drum roll real quick. Uh, the week two high school rankings, both on the men's and women's side. And, you know, well, then we get into college when we get back from that. All right, again, uh, Cardell, thank you for your input on the list. And, uh, you know, I tried. 
for my side. You know, man, try. They come after me like Wilson. I'll let him. You're right. At my mom's sports, if there's an issue with the girl's side of the rankings, I'm I'll probably not right. going to respond, but feel right. free to share, right. share your grievances. We might tweet one of them out on the show. Because uh, petty like that. All right, so the college segment, the Maryland Terrapins. Well, Cardell's Maryland Terrapins. Uh, your woman serves, your lady serves. They're also an 8-year-old start. The latest one coming over UMBC over this past weekend. They host James Madison and Loyola at home. Before traveling to Delaware to kind of wrap up that first non-conference port, portion of the schedule, they kick things off in Big Ten, Big Ten play on the road when they go to Penn State. Your Terps are averaging 50 rebounds a game. Um, again, I know it's, you know, it's going to change when you get in conference to a degree, but 50 rebounds and 50 rebounds that margin is that margin, the size is the size. So it'll be interesting. It's, I definitely expect that. Maybe that number drops to 48. The differential might drop to 12. Um, I don't think it's going to change that much. They're just that dominant on the boards, and freshman Shakira Austin has a lot to do with that. Uh, the spacing this year is really crazy because you have several, several people that got green lights, and they're there to shoot threes. Uh, Sarah Vujicic uh, this weekend, it was fun to see her kind of get – you know our brother just had like crazy confidence about such a thing. Our brother up. Sasha Vujacic used to play with the Lakers, the one Kobe elbowed in the clip. Continue. No, thank you. <laughs> but you know how Sasha had no issue putting that thing up as soon as it touched his hands. Yeah. Sarah's getting there. <laughs> She's more of a. It's a good shot, so I'll take it. It's not a good shot. I'm not gonna shoot it. Uh, so she has to chill. Her brother did it. She's a freshman, right? No, she is a. She's a junior. Okay. Um, she did two years at JUCO. Okay. I believe. I will double check, but no, she came through the JUCO route. Um, defense is going to continue to be a trend. It's, gonna, it's trending in the right direction. Coach Freeze talked about on media day that there were several players that never played man-to-man defense on the roster. So that was kind of a big thing. So that's one of the reasons they're mixing the coverages up so much. It's kind of – I kind of get that because if you got young players, if you leave stuff the same – it's, they're gonna, you know, you're going to have mental lapses. If you're always switching, it kind of keeps them engaged a little bit more mentally. But one of the fun things, I was talking with Samara about this on Saturday, is it's fun because when they go to some of those, those pressure, those quarter-court, half-court pressures, you kind of put your most, your most, well, your best disruptor at the key of those things, right? It's their center. It's Shakira at times. At the top of those pressures, just, it, it changes things. We have the center out on guards taking away just all the space. Um... So that's going to be fun to see if the defense continue to get better. Well, just kind of be consistent in conference play. Lastly, um, I don't want to – we don't have a name for this lineup, but Freeze may have a special lineup that she's used several times during games where when this group of players is in, the scoreboard goes one way and doesn't move for the other side. <laughs> uh, so we'll take from that what you will, but I will keep you updated. That lineup so far, Shanice Lewis, Blair Watson, Kyla Charles, Stephanie Jones, Shakira Austin – that's the group um, defensively that's the most versatile, and there's just nothing you can do. They hound you. They bother you. Four of the five players can get it off the glass and go um, to a degree. It's just really annoying, but that's it for Terps coverage. Here's a look at local college hoops action from over the weekend, both on the men's and the women's side. All right, so I hope you guys like the new things we're doing with the high school basketball rankings and with the college, uh, just keeping you abreast of all the local action is more than just the teams that we're credentialed to. So I want to make sure you guys get a good, good full picture of what happens each and every week on both the men's and women's side. Um, 
on the college game. All right, so with the Wizards, we can't go through any show without a, you know, our, our weekly Wizards segment. Um, as of recently, their last two games, it's a two-game streak for right now. They beat the Nets 102-88 behind a huge fourth quarter for Markeith Morris in his new Ginobili role, as, if you've, as you dubbed it, Cardell. Um, it, was, it was a really big performance by him on Saturday night. Him and John just kept running, pick and pop over and over, and Markeith just was a match. The Nets didn't have anybody for him. And the Wizards did what, a, what, what any normal good team would do. You run it until they stop it. They didn't stop it. Next thing you know, they got a 20-point lead, and, you know, it didn't, it didn't end up being a 20-point victory, but they won that one going away. Last night up in New York against the New York Knicks team that we know plays exceptionally hard, which we've been saying this since preseason, uh, they were able to outlast the Knicks 110-107. Really uh, big-time performance from John and Brad last night, um, especially late in the game. Um, Brad going to work, finding John for what was the dagger, uh, the dagger triple. Uh, Keith continued to eat in that role. He had another good game. It was good to see Keith and Kelly both have good games off the bench. Because right. what's been happening um, since that move, it's either, for the most part, it's been Keith having a good game and Kelly kind of struggling to get regain what he had when he was starting. Now that he's coming off the bench again. Um, and again, the lineup is a little bit different. You got Sadoransky in with the starters now. Porter's moved to the four. Thomas Bryant is in. And, you know, Scott Brooks talked a little bit about what that's done for them. Uh, the road trip continues tomorrow in Atlanta. Then they're in Cleveland and Indiana. So if this streak was to continue against this is an if, I'm not telling you it will, if the Wiz could possibly, need y'all to comprehend these words, <laughs> possibly come back home for the matchup with the Celtics on the 12th, just one game under 500. Again, possibly. Cardell, you take some of the last two games with the Wizards? And they're just playing hard defensively. You know, um, and I think Scott Brooks is kind of starting to find ideal, like, lineups that works in different situations that he, you know, he can go to and rely on. Um, took some time, obviously, but, yeah. you know, a lot of new faces, uh, a lot of guys kind of being stubborn with not accepting their roles. And I think that's also what you're seeing. You've seen a lot of guys accept their roles and just realize, man, you look – two stars and everybody else got to fit in and get in where they fit in and you yep. just got to accept that for this thing to work if not you know, some people got to go you know it is what it is you know um, I love to play last night you kind of see the chemistry building I like to play last night with Bill you know Brooks finally put the ball <coughs> in Bill's hands instead of walls uh, you know he dribbled in the middle of the lane uh, it was about to take the mid-range jumper but they collapsed on him he found wall you know spot up jumper dagger three you know, little stuff like that where, you know, they're on the same page and it's where they wouldn't have made that play before. Guys with the full slip shots mm-hmm. and took a bad shot and turned the ball over. Doing this on two-game two winning streak, the Wiz are averaging 106 points per game while holding points to 97.5 points per game. Um, that's huge, you know, especially for a team that routinely gives up 30 yes. points in the quarter. I think in the last eight quarters, they only gave up 30 points twice. Every other quarter has been below. Yes, it is. Um, Wiz are also forcing 16 and a half turnovers a game. All season, they've been active. You mm-hmm. know, it's just the rebound and closing out the defensive possession, but they've been active getting blocks and steals. Um, you know, Keith Morris, as you say, playing in the Ginobili role, averaging 19 points per game, seven rebounds on 64% shooting from the field and 42% shooting from deep. He, he's, he's murdering guys mm-hmm. from that position. And the thing is, people talking about why he don't start, but he's finishing games. That's more important. Yep. Because a lot of guys can start, but they're not finishing. That those are guys he, he, you know, the coach trusted to close this thing out. 
he's doing that. So he's still playing his minutes. It's just something to boast of the bench or whatnot. Um, you know, the way, like I said, they're active defensively. They're fourth in blocks, average 6.2 a game, and seventh in steals, average 8.6 a game. Um, they're also one of the best in the league at taking care of the ball, only averaging 14 turnovers a game. Only six teams in the NBA are better, and that's the Spurs, Hornets, Celtics, Grizzlies, Magic, and Wolves. Uh, John Wall is averaging three and a half turnovers this season, which is currently the second best average of his career. You know, during the 2012-2013 season, Wall averaged 3.2 turnovers a game. So they play an efficient basketball. They're not – the only thing that's beating them is when they don't get out there defensively. They're yeah. not beating themselves. So when they take care of that, and they're hard to beat. I'm saying that all along. So they finally starting to see that. Um, you know, like you said, they played with the Hawks Wednesday and the Cavs on Saturday. Um, they are half, they're a game and a half out the AC. So they win these games and the Pacers come back home against the Celtics, which will we be at. Um, they can very well be not only in the playoff race again, probably six – if succeed somewhere in that range because it's right there for the taking. Yep, and, and that's what's all those stats when you're listing them defensively, that's what's been so increasingly frustrating about yeah. these teams because it's not, it's not like you're incapable of doing it. Yes. Like even when you're, to a degree, you've been slacking at doing it consistently, you accidentally did it at a high enough rate mm -hmm. to end up in those places you're talking about. You don't end up in that place through a three-game stretch. And sometimes you got to you know do that in NBA. You yeah. got to... Skyboy, sometimes you got to joke the motivation yeah. out of them. You got to, no, nah, you ain't starting no more. Or, you know what, I'm, I'm going to bench you just to, just, to, just to mess with you, just to, so you know it ain't sweet. You got to yeah. come in here and come ready to play. I always tell people, people look at me like I got three years. Marquise Morris has a 20 and 10 talent. You've been saying this for years. He, he has 20 and 10 talent. It, it's, years. And you've seen it now. It's, it's, it's easy for him. That's mm -hmm. why he... He stops himself. No one stops him. He stops himself with his attitude and his temperament. Mm -hmm. And when he's locked in, he's focused, and he's not letting – he's just hooping, this is what you can get. And, you know, hopefully he can be consistent. Yeah, and, he, and he's been outstanding in that role, as you just said. Right. The temperament, he, it hasn't been as bad as it's been. Like, there's been a couple flare-ups, but, again, he's been staying out his own way. And it's changed things. They're a different team when he's – Living up to the type of talent he and, has. And him and Wall got that um, Gortat chemistry now. Yeah. You see, he, he's going to lane, throwing lobs, yeah. and team's not expecting it, but he is. Yeah. That's what Gortat used to get in order. So, you know, I'm, I'm like what I'm saying, they just got to continue. Yep. All right. So, one question. Let's do a one question for Rapid Fire. Um, yeah, we can stay to the hometown. Okay. Um, news came out. Marshall Foles was uh, – you know, diagnosed with a thoracic nerve injury, mm -hmm. which basically affects his neck, you know, neck and shoulder and mm -hmm. arm region or whatnot. Um, what are your thoracic outlet syndrome? That's what it's called. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Now that everyone knows it's something physically wrong, it's not mental, which is why we kind of never went there. Like a lot of people, miserable people in the media, whatever. Um, what are your thoughts on that? All right, I'll tell you first, the Cardell and I I'll go. I just think that it was a big, a big miss on their part. That that's something that should have been, you know, discovered as long as they've been talking about this mystery injury and, you know, the change in how he shoots and everything like that. Um, I just think that, you know, people need to tell the truth at this point. If you made a mistake, you misdiagnosed him. He needs, you know, for them to have in the past looking like they, they're putting it on him and his mental abilities and, and what he's doing to you know, keep himself ready and keep himself in, which this now proves that it wasn't in his head and that it wasn't something that he would have been able to just get himself out of. 
Um, and what's crazy to me is I say he could only be out for like a couple of weeks. So if this was found and diagnosed in the beginning, we wouldn't even be, have had these crazy conversations that they've had in the past couple of months. So I just think that to me, it's crazy that they missed that. And like you said, like, you know, the people from around here that seen him play all his life, you knew it was like, we knew it had to be something. Um, and I, I'm glad now that they finally, you know, figured it out and they're able to hopefully move past it, you know, because there were talks of, you know, having him start fresh with another team and all sorts of stuff. You know, I just felt like it was kind of disrespect for him. You know, he was a number one pick. I just felt like they disrespected him, but I'm glad that they finally diagnosed him and they're actually going to, you know, get him the help that he needs. Cardio? I just need the same people who's clowning, who's uh, trying to bury him, uh, giving him a bringing all this negativity to the situation. I need him to have that same energy and apologize, especially, you know, our peers in the media. I mean, it was wrong. You didn't have all the facts. And you could tell a lot of people ain't do their homework. They just sit up there, read stories, and just go there. And and, and to me, this is a, a type of career job where you got to have your facts in order because there's a lot of damage that could come from what you said. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of damage that affected him, his family, and definitely his circle. You know, somebody... And we got an idea who was trying to hide this situation. And look at the, you know, I'm going to say, look at the, 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 the how it made, like, Keith Williams. Look how it made him look last year. Where they was just like, it's his training. All these people, is his training. And he's like, nah, it's not. And that's why it didn't even make sense if people just calmed down. How's the training that got him to be the number one pick, <laughs> the same dude that's going to sabotage him? It makes no sense. And, and obviously, if you sabotage him, it's going to sabotage you. Exactly. It makes no sense. So I need people to have the same energy and apologize. And, and if the you know if it was misdiagnosed and people try to hide that, the people who need to do that need to just step up and own that and take the L and what comes with it. Because it's, it's I mean you 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 damaging this kid before he even gets started. And the talent's unreal. We know that. So I don't know. It 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 kind of it kind of hurts me, man. Because because I just got an idea of who was trying to hide it. And they should be bigger than that, and they got a history of doing that, and it seems foul, and they need an answer for that. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And just about the mental thing, one of the reasons I think nobody here obviously went with it, if your mental was weak, you wouldn't still be sticking with this right now through all this. Yeah. You just had everybody dump all this stuff on pretty much you as a 20-year-old. You ain't calling nobody out your name. You're not fighting back. Yeah, all you're trying to do is continue to hoop and try to fight through what it is you're doing. So the mental stuff, like I said, it's it's a cop out. Those things, karma's karma thing, you know, and that's the other thing. People got to do a better job of just stop repeating everything if you don't know. If, you know, like you said, if it's not vetted, just wait. Be patient. Stuff will come out. Stuff will get taken care of. Um, and if, if you're Philadelphia, hopefully the other side of this happens with him on your team. If not, I don't expect it to, but we'll see because that's a whole lot of trust broken and, right there. Look at, the, look at the talent. Through this situation, he had his youngest player that ever get a triple-double. Look yep. at the flashes through all this. And the well, nerve affects. broken, yeah. Yeah, the nerves uh-huh. affects your neck and shoulder, yeah. which affects your functional movement. Like, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an injury pitchers get in baseball, just to give you some more context on that. So we want to thank you guys for tuning in. Another thing we want to thank you guys for is uh, thank you for voting. Um, we found out over the weekend we won the 2018 DCTV Voices Best Sports Award. So, again, thanks to all of you for your continued support. We truly appreciate y'all. And as always, get over to Finders Magazine, findersmag.com. Get over to My Mono Sports, mymonosports.com. And we'll see you guys next week, same time, same place. DCTV, you need our award, dog. <laughs>